This is Business Dad. How does the man who spent 70 hours a week on his college newspaper carve out time for family while building a unicorn? On this episode, Alexis O'Hane speaks with serial entrepreneur Parker Conrad. Parker is the founder of Rippling, a startup that unifies company data and automates all the hundreds of little things that need to be managed for every employee who joins, leaves, or just works at a company. Parker is also the co-founder of Zenefits, a company which is partially inspired by Parker's own experiences as a cancer patient at age 24. In high school, Parker won third prize in the prestigious Westinghouse Talent Search after spending nearly two years studying neurobiology of sea snails. Parker and his wife live with their four-and-a-half-year-old daughter and two-year-old son in San Francisco. This episode of Business Dad is brought to you by Rippling. Every minute that you spend updating your company's employee data and systems is a minute that you don't spend on your core job. Thankfully, now there's Rippling. It's the first platform that combines all your HR and IT systems together. And when you do that, magic happens. Imagine... If you could hire someone and in 90 seconds, take care of all of their HR, payroll, health insurance, 401ks, all of it, just handled. And the same goes for your IT. When you hire someone, you can order their computer and instantly their accounts and all the apps you use like Gmail, GitHub, and Slack, they're all in one unified onboarding flow. That's how easy Rippling makes running your business. That's why it's won a ton of awards and why you need to use it to stop wasting valuable time on admin work and instead, make your HR and IT run like a well-oiled machine. So if you're looking for an easier way to supercharge your employees, go to rippling.com. Thanks. We're thrilled to be back-to-back investors. I mean, among the first checks in you, uh, and especially now with, with Rippling, you are... A dad, though you're a business dad, yeah, and and I, you know, we 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 spend so much time getting interviewed about our businesses and and that part of our lives, um, but it's pretty foolish to think that that is totally separate from our home life, from our family life, and I think like a lot of us, you know, we struggle to to find some semblance of balance. So I want to start there first. Can you sort of give me the give me the rundown of the the family uh, right now? So my wife and I have two kids, um, Ellis, who's uh, four and a half, and Wynn, who turns two next week. Mm-hmm. All right. Any big plans for the two-year-old's birthday? Well, my parents are going to be in town for Thanksgiving, so we're going to do, like, uh, I guess, like, cake and ice cream. And I mean, I don't think he's had, I mean, he had a first birthday, but I don't think he understood. Yeah, the first birthdays are, are strange, <coughs> right? Because they're clearly for the parents. Yeah. Yeah. So this will be like the first time that I think he's aware that he's, you know, getting cake and presents and things like that. So should be fun. And so you must have, so if I'm getting the timing right, you were founding Rippling at right around the time your wife was pregnant with your second. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the company started out in my basement. You know, very, very cliched mm-hmm. for about a year. And <clears throat> that was actually the real trigger for us to get our first office is that the baby was coming. And the idea of having, you know, a bunch a bunch of people around the house while my wife was recovering was like not, that was not going to fly. Well, how many people were at working out of your house at this point? Probably like a dozen. A do- where? All in the basement? 
Uh, I mean, it was crammed in. We had expanded up from the basement, and they were in the kitchen and yeah. on the in the living room and that kind of stuff. So it was definitely not going to work. Right. Okay. Um, so you found that office. You got everyone. You got the land party out of your basement. Yep. And and then what was the game plan going into you know those last months of pregnancy when you're just right? Your 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 phone ringer is on the loudest setting. Uh, you know, you're you're just intensely at a moment ready to to be there and spring to action. How how did you navigate all that? That part wasn't wasn't too bad. I mean, um, Alex ended up um, getting induced, <clears throat> so we had you know when you know there was, there was lots of notice. Um, it was sort of um, both both my kids came a little bit late, so um, you know there wasn't there wasn't the sort of we didn't have the like uh oh baby's like three weeks early kind of thing. All right, and then. During that time, how did you balance just mentally with work? Uh, I, walk me through because fundraising on its own is, you know, it's always a distraction. Um, I hope you'll say you had a pretty smooth fundraising process uh, for that first round. Yeah, but, but it, it's still on top of running a business. All of that is still just ceaseless distraction at a time when you've already got a kid, you've already got a toddler running around, and then you've got another on the way. Um, were there moments or were there times when you just needed to, to, to remove yourself from that work mindset and really disconnect to just be all hands on deck or, or how did you find ways to balance that? Well, I mean, I, I think it's definitely like you can start a company and, you know, be a parent, be an active and engaged parent, but you probably can't do much else than that. You know, I wake up in the morning and, um, uh, my, my wife works at Tesla and she works, um, half the week down in Fremont, so she has a long commute, and half the week actually in Reno. Wow, uh, so she's, Nevada. She's like gone, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so most days I, I'm, I get the kids in the morning because she's out the door, you know, 6.30 a.m. or she's in Reno. Um, and so I'm, you know, I'm on kid duty and take, uh, take Ellis to school. She goes to preschool now. And uh, we have a, we're fortunate enough to have a nanny that comes at about 9.30 so I'm kind of on duty in the mornings, and then, um, and then my wife takes the evenings when she's in town, and I'm I'm on duty when um, when she's when she's out of town. Um, are there are there things in particular about those trips to preschool that you enjoy? Like right now, Olympia is only starting to vocalize, and most of the time she sounds like a minion. So I can't really understand her yet. Yeah. Uh, what are your favorite parts of those, those trips to school in the morning? Well, we started. Um, we started riding a bike to preschool. What? We got, like a tandem bike, or a, no? With the with the seat yeah, on the back. Yeah, like one of the thing. things with the thing in the back. Yes. They're, they're, okay. They've gotten like really popular in San Francisco. You, I mean, at least at 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 Ellis' school, there's a bunch of parents that get to school that way. Oh, that's so San Francisco. And the kids I love, it. love the bike ride. I mean, they get so excited. I mean, every day it's like you know, bike ride, bike ride, bike ride. Is it just just the thrill of being on this bike? And, I don't know. It's like riding a motorcycle. I used I used to ride you okay. know like a I mean I say motorcycle is like a Vespa, but yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so they, they really enjoy that piece. And um, it was actually, I mean, so it was hard for a while when Ellis first started, started preschool because she was, it took her a lot longer than other kids to kind of get to a point where she was okay with it. So there was like six months of like lots of tears like at every drop off. The goodbyes were hard. Yeah, it was really, yeah. really hard. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that part was tough. When my, my wife is out of town um, and I'm, I'm on, on kid duty in the night, 
Um, we do something called Daddy Daughter Nights, mm-hmm. which predates my son's birth, mm-hmm. so that's why it's called Daddy Daughter yeah. Nights. Um, <clears throat> where I mean, Ellis loves it because she gets to watch TV, mm-hmm. so she doesn't get to watch TV <laughs> any other any other time. But um, we've basically been through like Star Wars, um, yes, the classics. Lots wait, wait, of one through three or four. Th- through six, <clears throat> we um, we did we've done a lot of actually the animated Clone oh, Wars series. That's probably a good move. Yeah, um, it's supposed to be really then, good. And then and then she and then we did look at episode. She's seen episode four through six. Okay, you're raising her right. The original, the OG, the real Star Wars, the OG yeah. Star Wars. She's really into Star Wars, actually. Um, basically, Star Wars and Elsa and Anna. Yeah, oh, or Frozen. A lot or of Frozen in this household. We're I've I've just reserved tickets for Frozen two this weekend. We're going on Sunday, Sunday afternoon. Uh, see, it, yeah. it is, and it's it's wild. I somehow missed a generation of, and I love animated films. My wife loves animated films. Like we actually are, like we. we I think the quality is just next level, right? Yeah. But I didn't realize how much I enjoyed them until I saw them through the eyes of my daughter. And it's it's wild, right? Yeah. And, and even revisiting things, like I can imagine Star Wars, Olivia hasn't seen it yet, but to revisit those things through the eyes of your child. It's really cool. Well, what's that been like for you? <clears throat> well, we went um, last Christmas. I got um, Ellis tickets to go see Frozen on Broadway. Um, we were in New York. My parents, I'm from New York. I my saw parents that show. There. I saw that show too. It, it, was, was, it was with my wife, though. It wasn't even it, with my daughter. It wasn't even with my daughter. Just with so, Serena. Frozen was the, yeah. probably the worst musical I've, I've ever seen. I mean, it was terrible. I mean, it was objectively but bad. But it was, it was the but favorite. It's, the, it's all the songs. Well, so it was, it was the best. It was the most fun I've had going to see like a Broadway mm-hmm. show ever. Okay. Because you know all the songs, <clears> it's these characters you've known brought to life. Honestly, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a Broadway expert, but I'm like, oh yeah, this is real people doing the things from the Pixar movie I've watched yeah. thousands of times now. Well, for me, it was like Ellis. Um, she got so she we we got our tickets to the show, and we got her an Elsa costume, and she she put on this it's Elsa cosplay. costume, and for her, she was walking down the street in Times Square, just like with her head, her nose up in the air, and she was like. It, it was like she felt like a celebrity. Yeah. I mean, she was like, she was Elsa, and she was so excited about the whole thing. I mean, she was only three years old. She yeah. was like, it was really cute. And she was so, I mean, she was like sitting there wrapped, mm-hmm. wide-eyed. And there's the moment in the show when when the, the like, the dress comes off mm-hmm. where, go, you know, yeah. she's saying let it go. And, yeah. like, oh, I you know, like, there's something that pulls, like, you know, the, the sort of more drab dress off and she's got the sparkly dress on. And, yeah. I mean, Alice was just, like, her jaw was on the floor. I mean, it was, like, <laughs> it, was, so like cool. it was magic. It was really huh. cool. That must be my wife and I are children. I mean, we didn't enjoy it that much. That is clearly <laughs> magical. But um, maybe we had a good time, you know? I think, look, I think the... There is this delight uh, that we get as as parents, and it's a hard one to describe. Um, and then, you know, the, the flip side of the coin, too, is also just the struggle with, I had a goodbye from Olympia, uh, it was probably a month ago, and it was the first goodbye hug where, like, I really think she could process, like, oh, dad's going to be gone for a little bit. And I was feeling it, and I know she was feeling my energy, and it was like an extra hug. And I was like, God, this sucks. Like, this hurts yeah. because I can't 
can't do anything to make this better. I can't even really properly communicate it to you. Um, how do you find ways to, to deal with that and balance that? Or, or do we just not and we just deal with it for the rest of our lives and just that's the, the sort of uh, reality? I'm trying to think. I mean, my daughter's like, I mean, other than school goodbyes, which were really hard for a yeah. long time. How did you, you um, said it took six months. How was there, was there a, a, a hack to try to help that get better? Or was it just like, oh, eventually it, it sorted itself? It was just one day it was okay. I don't, I don't really know why, because it was for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And it clicked. It, yeah, it just suddenly was fine. And she, and, you know, she's, she kind of, I think she sort of figured it out herself, so she would go in the classroom, and they had a, a place they called, like, the peace table or the peace corner where you would kind of be by yourself. So she would sort of, like, oh, once she figured that in, she would kind of go there and be by herself for a little bit. And, you know, she sort of needed some alone time before she joined all the other kids. And and we started a thing where I would wave to her from the window, so that was that actually worked pretty well. That's, there we go. There's yeah. a good the waving from the window is like something to look forward to after she went into the classroom. That's a good hack. I see. So, and do you find that now with two children, you have a better perspective on managing adults? And I'm not trying to say that our executives and the adults who work for us are children. Uh, but we are all humans, and, and kids are such a raw canvas where it's, a, it's 100% transparency because they don't know any other way to be. Um, and, and have you found that to be effective at helping you either just be more empathetic or be more understanding? Or are there any things you've gleaned since becoming a father that have actually helped you in, uh, in business? I feel like there should be something. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's okay if there isn't. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. For me, I mean... I'm not sure that I've, like, I feel like the way I deal with my kids and the way I, I deal with people at work is very different. Sure, um, for sure. I'm, like, going through my head right now. I mean, my my main tool with with kids is counting. You know, like... What do you mean by that? Like, literally counting? Like, one, uh-huh. oh, I two, see. like, I see. You know, I see. Like, we're going to bed now. It's like, yeah. no, I'm not going to bed. And you're like, yeah. what? You just start going one, two, and it just, it it's so effective. I don't know... I don't think Ellis has ever really considered like what happens when I get to the end. Yeah, what, wait, what is the end? Accounting. It's infinite. But, so what could it be? She hates it. I mean, she's like, she's like, stop counting, stop counting, and I just, I just keep going three, four, and then immediately she's like, you know, running up the stairs to go to bed. This is such an interesting. And we've never, I've never, I don't know what it is, but it works so well. And so in my head, I'm thinking, how would that work if it worked? And I was talking with my CMO. About something, I was just like one, <laughs> two. Okay. I feel like the reaction would be slightly different. He'd be like, "What's wrong with you?" But, but so, I want to. I want to do. But for that. kids, it's really effective. Why do you think though? Because you're counting up, right? You could be counting at infinitum, and and there's some trigger. If you're counting down, right, so you're not going negative. You know, that there's a zero, and there's a there's an impending something. Right. But you're well, but counting the up problem, if to I the unknown. Down, that's the problem. She could call my bluff. Because if I get to zero and nothing happens, yeah. she's like, but if you're counting up, I guess she doesn't know. Maybe it's like right around the corner yeah. is like some consequence. Yeah. Maybe maybe you're counting to five. Maybe you're counting to ten. Um, but it so works. Ambiguity helps. It works really well. So yeah. maybe <clears throat> how old's Olympia? She's two and two months. So 26 months. Yeah, so give it give it like a, like a six months to a year. Yeah. 
you're you're going to be counting. Okay. It's like and a, I'm going to be counting upward and not downwards. Yeah, you start counting upwards. Yeah. They start. Huh. She's going to get to a point where she's like, I'm not going to bed. Yeah, I'm not doing this. I'm not. I'm not putting the spoons away from the dishwasher. Right. Well, that's okay. And so that's that's a fun one because, I mean, yes, obviously, I don't think one could sustainably run a business like. Uh, parenting a child because right that's a dictatorship and and that yeah would not last long in a in a sort of healthy company especially a fast-growing startup right that just you'd never be able to attract and retain great people but are there things let's flip the script are there things that you're experiencing now uh you know as a as a two-time startup ceo things that you have learned about the world and about business that you want to make sure you instill in your kids so let's forget like the obvious stuff. Like make sure you know they can read and write and do basic arithmetic. But what are the what are the things maybe that you aren't expecting them to get taught in school that you and your and your wife want to make sure that they are learning that are skills or a way of thinking? For me, I think, um, and I and I haven't thought about it this way like explicitly like that until just let's now. Let's do it. But, but for me, I would say it's probably you know the 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 importance of relationships with other people um, and how how you have to sort of really think about that and focus on that and how important it is. Because sometimes, you know, with um, with Ellis, I mean, she'll, you know, run into it. There'll be some tiff with someone at school. I mean, they're still, she's still really young, so it's nothing serious. But, you know, you, you got to talk through, like, you know, you're sitting here and you're like, gosh, like these are, you know, her school goes through eighth grade. So, you know, these are some of these kids you'll be in school for a long time. You want to, it's important to sort of treat everyone right and build good relationships. And and the second thing is like at a company you'd call this sales, but just, the, you know, the importance of being able to sort of, you know, be articulate and convincing with other people and, and be a, a good leader and, and that sort of thing. Um, which is kind of, I guess, kind of related to the first one. Do you think that there are, are there, are there exercises? Are there things that you have that you employ to help exercise those types of muscles? It's like when there is conflict with another kid, when there is, I don't know, like, are, are there, are there things that you all incorporate or do that, that help with that? Well, with Ellis, I mean, she's she's a little bit older, so she's more you can have a real conversation. Yeah, of course. So a lot of it is just, um, you know, and, and, you know, telling her how important I think it is. So like today, you know, when I dropped her off this morning at school, there was um, there was another little girl that was like really friendly and said like, "Hi, Ellis." And I mean, Ellis can sometimes be shy in those situations, so she sort of like hid behind my leg and didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had, we had a little conversation about it where I was like, you know, I think it's really important when someone says hi to you, you need to say hi back. You can't just hide, hide behind daddy's leg. Mm-hmm. Um, so How did she take it? She was like, she was very thoughtful about it. I mean, I, I, I adopted like a very serious <clears throat> sort of like, okay, this is an important mm-hmm. dose of this father. Is this is a father, yeah. piece of fatherly wisdom. And, yeah. You know, so she, she seemed to absorb it and, um, you know, we'll see. I don't know if it'll stick. Mm. Hey, look, we'll that's see. the same thing. I every time I get asked about my daughter, I'm just like, I really hope this tape isn't used against me in 20 years when they're like, "Man, he was so wrong," or yeah. whatever. <laughs> but like, we we try our best. Is yeah. at the end of the day, right? That that's that's all we can do. There was actually there was a really funny thing that happened just last week that I'm thinking about. That was like a great lesson in like avoiding work, mm-hmm. where um, my son 
I mean, like a lot of kids, he has a he has a stuffed animal that's like really precious to him. It's a it's a it's a gray giraffe whose name is Giraffe. Nice. Olympia <laughs> has a giraffe it, named Gigi. There we go. See, so he calls it Jaff. Nice. Um, we Win was going to bed, and we we couldn't find Jaff. Mm. And so mm. my, you know, Alex, my nice. wife, was like, Parker, can you find Jaff? So I was looking around for a little bit, but I also sort of suspected that maybe my daughter was playing like a little bit of a prank and had hidden Jaff. And so I, I went up to Ellis and I was like, Ellis, I need you to find Jaff. And Ellis was like, I don't know where Jaff is. Like, I, you know, I didn't take Jaff. And then I just started counting. I was like, one, <laughs> two, and she just went, and got so frustrated and angry, and then she ran into her bedroom, went behind the bed, and pulled out Giraffe. Mm. And like, I'm brought too. it back. I yeah. mean, it was very quick. I yeah. mean, she knew exactly where Giraffe yeah. was, a clearly hidden Giraffe, mm. um, and brought him back. But for like, and Wynn goes to bed a little bit before she did. For the rest of the night, she was complaining, and she went to, she went to my wife, and she said, you told Daddy that it was his job to find Giraffe, and Daddy made me find Giraffe instead. And like, that wasn't my job. That was Daddy's job to find mm. Giraffe. Um, so <laughs> she was quite upset that I had like yeah, I had delegated it, my good. work like yeah. like a good CEO, like a good CEO down, should to the person to, who you knew you should empower to the, solve the, the problem. The person that I knew was in fact best qualified yeah. to locate giraffe. Yeah. She was deeply resentful this is, this of is that a, kind of work. This is a lesson. Yeah, that exactly. We'll make her a great CEO one day. I there yeah. you go. <laughs> so you know, we we talked a little bit about some of the routines you have is there a particular ritual that you love like i'll do no matter where i am basically in the world i have a calendar hold or i should say wherever olympia is in the world i have a calendar hold for the half hour before she goes to bed so even when i'm not there i know it's facetime time like there's no no meetings are ever going to be there, and I get to hang out with her for a little bit, talk to her. We have our whole bedtime ritual, like story and prayers, and she goes to sleep. And it's like, it's a consistency when I'm on the road that I just, I couldn't live without. I hope she can't live without, but I know for sure I can't live without. Are there rituals or things that you really look forward to um, that that just, I don't know, stir your Yeah, there are a couple. Go. I mean, so one is like daddy-daughter nights. Right, yes, like those are, or movie nights. Yeah, um, and actually before before we watch TV, the rule is that Ellis has to tell me about her day. Oh, so she's great. not allowed to watch TV until she like recount, sort of, you know, tells me like what happened at school. Mm-hmm. And and it, I mean, it's gotten to a point, unfortunately, where she thinks that that you don't talk about your day except at daddy-daughter nights. <laughs> so... So she keeps wife, silent at the dinner table? No, I mean, she's what, like, I'm saving this for daddy-daughter night. Well, my wife will ask her, like, what did you do at school day? She's like, I'm not telling you. And she's like, what do you mean you're not telling me? She's like, I only have to talk about that on daddy-daughter nights. I love it. So, <laughs> but daddy-daughter nights, she has to talk about her day. So, yeah. that, you know, that's when I kind of get to hear about, you know, what's going on at school and who she's playing with and that kind of thing. Why are those conversations important to you now? Because, like, at the end of the day, I mean, she's four, right? Like, there's not too much trouble. She's like, there's not really a bad kid to be worried about it for, but but why is that important? For me, it just it's fun to feel you know connected to her and, and her life, and you know you don't know you kind of drop her off and you don't really know what what happens between yeah. then and you know when when I come home you know around bedtime. So it's fun to sort of like hear 
I mean, I used to hate it when my parents were always asking me to tell tell, mm-hmm. tell what like what happened yeah, today. every day oh, after school. I remember hearing it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but now you know. Now I'm on the other side, and you know, I kind of want to know what's going on. So that's fun. And I also think, I mean, I think it's like good, uh, you know, for her to develop an ability to sort of talk about, you know, to sort of tell a story and talk about, um, you know, have a conversation and sort of relate, you know, what happened to her and how she felt and, you know, what she liked and, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, so I think it's like good practice. And I, I like that you're singling out well, you're specifying not just the facts of what happened, but also the feelings she felt. And I think that's an important distinction, right? Because it's not just helping exercise the muscles of retelling the sort of objective truth of like what I did today, but it's also exercising the muscles of this is the subjective truth that I felt. Like I felt good, I felt bad, I felt happy, I felt sleepy, I felt mad. Um, is there something to that or is that just like... Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. We all just want to prepare our kids to hopefully have great and fulfilling lives, whatever that might mean. And when I think about the things that I want to make sure I teach my daughter, they're the things that I hope will help her navigate and grow up to be a functional, happy adult. And that's it. Like, that's the, it's like, on the one hand, it's like a very low bar, but on the other, I I think it's actually a a, a pretty reasonable one. you know, how often, even at this young age, do those conversations come up between you and your wife uh, about, like, the sort of strategy for your kids? Like, I, I think, I can't help but think about everything as a startup, right? Yep. Sometimes I feel like I should have quarterly board meetings with my wife to talk about how Olympia, our startup, is doing. Really? Like, how she's tracking. Not to, like, OKRs. I'm not that yeah. broken of a human, but I, you know, the the, the sort of ideal scenario of, of two parents being able to, to work together to raise a child is a, a, a very special union, right? Like a great co-founder partnership. Yeah. So, but how much of it for you is, is thoughtful and deliberate? Am I crazy for thinking I should have like quarterly check-ins just for talking oh, about? Oh, probably not. I mean, I'm, that's not what, I mean, I'm, I don't, I'm not sure that I'm like all that deliberate about it, but maybe that's just a personality a personality thing. I, I kind of feel like I, mean, I think I read an article once about how, like, and eh, like kids basically raise themselves, and like, as long as um, as long as they're not growing up in you know a household that's like abusive or something like that, they're gonna become what they become. And so, I mean, I I enjoy spending time with Ellis, and I enjoy like having a relationship with her and and my son son Win, of course. But I don't feel like I'm like sitting there trying to like shape her like I mean every once in a while you know there's something where it's like you know like no you should not hide your brother's giraffe when he's going mm-hmm. to bed that's not very nice yeah. but, but I think I think we're I think like at least my wife and I are probably more of the sort of like you know the kids will figure it out themselves kind of kind of school thought and I find this very interesting too because you have to have built the companies you have built to that scale, both in revenue and headcount, requires like real discipline, right? It's not it, one cannot be a uh, a lean back CEO of a successful, you know, quickly growing company, right? I, I think that'd be a safe assumption. Yeah, I think that's that's probably right. And and so then, how does that mindset affect the? sort of how you empower teams, how you empower how you empower leaders within the org. 
Um, are you bringing some of that mentality to uh, the work life, perhaps? I feel like kids are going to figure it out on, on their own. Maybe just for me, like, I've just never thought about my kids and, like, the, the company in, in the same way. Like, it feels so different. You know, kids, like, pick up so, I mean, like, just watching, like, you know, learn, they, you know, Ellis, like, learned how to speak, you know, and, like, I didn't. I didn't teach her how to. Speak. I mean, I'm sure she picked something up, but like I didn't sit her there and like drill her on words and stuff like that. So, and I think with companies, you probably need to be a little more deliberate um, about sort of what you want to accomplish and where you want to go. Um, and you're also like working with extremely capable adults who really know what they're doing already. Mm-hmm. So, now, not, not not always the case, right? If you hire well, yeah, <laughs> then yes, you have um, extremely capable adults who know what they're doing. So I don't know. I'm, I'm going to start thinking about that, like whether there are parallels. I haven't, I haven't like thought about it that well, way before. Even in the, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm both dreading and excited to use the counting upward technique uh, to at least try it out. It is magic. I, well, it sounds once like your it, kids. I mean, then I think it was like two and a half or three mm, before we really started using that. Pushing buttons and it's like magic. It really, and she hates it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, she's well, not like I mean, counting. We gotta enforce the discipline. Yeah, that's a, that's but you good, need something. You method. need a tool. Yeah, uh, I get to talk to a lot of success, successful dads. Not always business dads per se, but, but folks who are thriving in their industries. And many of them are interviewed all the time, and never asked about a lot of the stuff that we talked about. Um, But they're always really excited to talk about their children. They are so proud of their kids. Is there even even like a small moment that you are just so proud of um, either of your children uh, that that sticks in your head when I think like, when you think about like the sort of joys of fatherhood, right? Is there something that jumps out at you that even if it's a small thing that just fills your heart up? Yeah, I mean, one thing, is, um, you know, and I, I sort of joke about Ellis taking her younger brother's giraffe before bedtime. But I remember when Alex and I came back from the hospital after she had Wynn, Ellis's younger brother, um, the first night or the first, the first day that we were back, Wynn was taking a nap in his crib. And we have like those little like nest, you know, video cameras in the room and stuff like that. And Ellis was supposed to be taking a nap in, in her like adjacent room. And we saw on the video camera, like, Ellis came in. And this is the first time she's met her younger brother. And we saw her come back, or like, come into his room. And she started, like, talking to him. And she started sliding books into his crib, which were her, <laughs> were her like, prized possessions and favorite thing. But she was sort of sliding. And this was, like, a one-day-old baby. That baby came <clears throat> So he, he definitely can't <laughs> read yet. Um, but she was sort of sliding into that, yeah. you know, Books and like other sort of things that she liked was just kind of sliding them in the rails of his crib and in there. And <clears throat> actually, every morning she usually comes in to get to get win up. So before Alex and I wake up, and so, I mean sometimes for a while this was like a little bit of a pain in the ass because yeah. you know sometimes this was well, like six. It was like six in the morning, <laughs> yeah. and Alice would go into Win's room like mom needs his rest. <clears throat> but you know, for his entire life, she goes in, gets him up almost every morning, and goes in, and they they play together mm. in his room, and that's um, that that always makes me like really happy. That is awesome. So mm. yeah. Well, Parker, always a pleasure to see yeah. you. Man. This is status brought to you by Initialized. 
Initialize invests in early stage technology companies and helps founders avoid the thousands of landmines that can cause failure. Visit initialize.com to find out more.